Welcome to the Why Jesus podcast, answering life's most important question. This is episode two, well, sort of episode two, because we're technically in in pre-launch mode, but we're just going to keep running with the numbers. So anyway, guys, if you're listening to us uh, streaming, you will not be able to see that we have a guest in the room, but we have a guest in the room, all right, from uh, my man, Light the world. What's up, brother? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So you have uh, you have one of the most interesting channels that that I've come across in the YouTube space, and uh, I, we're gonna get into that um, in in a little bit. But I just want to say that anybody listening, uh, you need to go follow him. He's gonna be tagged in in everything that's in the uh, in the description. But for those of for those of us that are listening, you know, maybe on the stream and, and don't have anything visual and can't go see all of the all, all of the links, just tell people where they can find you real quick. Yeah, so people can find me on like, well, obviously YouTube. My channel is just called LT World, um, if anyone's looking there. But also I'm on Instagram. Um, it's like, I think it's LT underscore world on Instagram. I technically have a Twitter. Uh, I guess you could find me there, but I honestly hardly ever post on it, so <laughs> it's almost dead at this point. I but I thought about getting rid of it. I'm not sure. But anyway, Instagram and um, YouTube, I'm pretty active on. So, all right, cool. Yeah, I um, I found in, uh, Instagram. Twitter is good for networking. Like I've I've met a couple people through Twitter, but I just like I post something and then I leave, and then I post something and then I leave because. <laughs> It's it's just a cesspool of of craziness on there. Yeah, but, I always thought it was like the most boring social media because it's so much text, and I'm like, I don't feel like reading all your posts. <laughs> I don't know. I just always always thought it was really boring. Yeah, they they kind of tried. To, oh, hit the microphone. That's what happens when you talk with your hands. Uh, they kind of tried to change that with I think Clubhouse. There was this app called mm-hmm. Clubhouse where you go in there and and you talk instead of reading. I never I never got into it. Never got into it. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, man, so you told me a little bit about your testimony uh, prior to us getting on here. Um, you know, I've gotten to know you a little bit over, you know, the past couple weeks. And you have a very interesting testimony because uh, you, you know, you questioned your faith at a certain point in time. But before we get to that, how did you come to believe in Christ? Did you grow up in the church? Did you, you know, somebody hand you a track? Like, how, how did this happen? Yeah, so I grew up in the church, so I grew up in a Christian household. Um, interestingly enough, if anyone's aware of what Anabaptists are, I grew up in an Anabaptist household specifically, uh, the Mennonite denomination. So, yeah, I grew up with Christian parents, kind of was familiar. I would, you know, went to church every Sunday, uh, grew up um, knowing what the Bible said. Um, my brother's a pastor, so, like, he was sort of a mentor to me. He was, he was like, older than me by, like, nine years. I'm pretty young um, in my family. And so um, he, he helped mentor me a lot spiritually. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of grew up in that environment. And as far as like a lot of people talk about how in high school they wild out or, you know, they went through this rebellious period. I didn't really ever have that. Like it was just not saying I was perfect, but uh, it was just one of those things where I just generally stayed away from crowds that I thought were bad influences. And I ended up making um, thanks to the Lord, I made some good friends early on in my life. So it's kind of just stuck around with them and went to church with them and stuff. 
That's good. I, I did not have that experience when I was growing up. My parents, great, but they, they're not believers. And all my friends were, they, they're, you know, whenever I say they're good people, it's, you know, I, I truly don't believe there are any good, actual good people in the world. Yeah. Um, but like they're, they got good intentions, uh, but we did not have good intentions in high school. Uh, we definitely did not. So growing up in, um, you know, in, in a Christian household, I think it's, it's really, um, whenever I hear from people who've grown up in a Christian household, it's, it's one of two things. Either they grew up in it and, you know, they, they did the right thing. They walked the path. I guess it helps that your brother was, was a pastor and, and kind of was there to be able to mentor you. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't a pastor when I was like, a kid but yeah, i mean he yeah. ended up becoming a pastor yeah. but he was he was on that direction or did he have some like uh i know? mean i don't okay so like everyone kind of like all my siblings and stuff none of us really ever had a rebellious period in our lives um we all kind of stayed on the straight and narrow for the most part um but like my brother for instance by what i understand based on what he has told me and what i know um around senior year of high school is when he became like serious about his faith he ended up going on a lot of missions trips then, um, and then ended up getting married, becoming a pastor, all that stuff. Wow. Um, so yeah, like he was kind of always on a spiritual journey, but it was like, I guess, end of high school when he became more serious about it. Wow. Praise God. So yeah, I always hear either everything works out and kids come out awesome <laughs> and that, or it's the complete opposite. It's like they abandon the faith, yeah. they run away. And uh, there was something that, you know, my, my pastor his dad was a pastor, his dad was a, a pastor, his kid is a pastor, his whole family's in the church. And mm -hmm. um, his son was preaching one day and he was, he was describing how his father was with his walk. And, you know, his father walked the walk. It, it, he didn't just like mm -hmm. preach and, and talk about it. You know, he would walk past the room, him, him and his parents were, you know, on their knees praying. So they walked the walk. Now I know that there's many couples who do walk the walk and their kids still rebel, but it's just, whenever I meet somebody who comes from like a lineage of believers or a lineage of, of pastors, I always ask that question, you know, mm -hmm. how, how did you do it? What, how, how are your parents? I, I always ask that. So how were your parents? Were they like straight and narrow as well? Yeah. So I had good, I would say rule models for the most part, as far as my parents go, like, um, I'm not, I mean, obviously they might be listening in on this, you know, you never know, but they, yeah, I had good parents, um, in the sense that they made sure that, uh, I understood what the Bible said. They made sure that I, you know, uh, was living a life that was morally responsible, um, in that regard. I think the one thing that may have been lacking, if I could, if I would say that would be, there wasn't, we didn't necessarily as a family have like family devotionals or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but the opportunity to ask questions was there the opportunity to you know have conversations about god was there um so there was a lot of good um obviously there's always things you could say that could have been better but i mean anyone if you live your life that way you could, everything could be better at some point in some way um but yeah overall they walked a straight and narrow i was given good rule balls in life to follow um, i got a lot of my like work ethic from my dad you know if anyone knows anything about the anabaptist circles uh, especially within where i live um, they're well known for their hard work ethic and like staying staying on that grind. So um, I got a lot of hard like my my work ethic and the principles of you know building up, um, you know trying to stay, working hard, always staying loyal, all that stuff. Got that from my dad. 
And then for my mom, I, I often I would go to my mom with any sort of like spiritual questions or anything like that. That's generally the what it looked like in my experience. That's awesome. I'm taking notes over here because uh, we we hope to start family planning um, uh, next year. But uh, mm-hmm. next year, it's like a couple weeks from now next year. But um, anyway, so tell us about. Uh, you know, when when you left high school and went to college, you were you were telling me earlier that that was an interesting experience for you. So talk to us about that. I mean, so when when I left high school, going into college, freshman year of college uh, was actually not too bad. Like it was interesting because, excuse me, interesting because I was a commuter um, like most of my college life, uh, except for the last. Well, last year I was still technically a commuter, but I moved out of my parents' household. And I just lived near campus with a bunch of other um, uh, roommates. But so my freshman year of college was pretty uh, much just me showing up to classes and then leaving right away. I wasn't really doing much as far as far as um, academics go or like uh, sports or anything. I just basically showed up to what I did, did what I had to do and left. Um, I worked a part time job and everything. So I just didn't make the time to stay on campus. And so everything was pretty normal. I had a philosophy class that year, uh, which made me, you know, face a lot of, and the professor was an atheist. So I was faced with a lot of questions as of, you know, why do I believe what I believe? Um, You know, there was this, he he was respectful about it. Like I would not say he was disrespectful about it. He was, he was a respectful guy uh, as far as religion went. He didn't make everyone, he didn't make you feel like an idiot if you were religious. He wasn't the God's not, the God's not dead. Uh, yeah, he wasn't the God's Not Dead character where he went around with an, um, saying you have to sign this paper or else you got to get out of my class. No, I, I didn't have that experience. Always uh, That movie always cracks me up because I'm just like, I don't know. I, I felt like at some points they were really, I don't know, making this making this guy out to be really crazy. But anyway, that's not that wasn't my experience. Um, so, yeah, but that was like my first, I guess, exposure to some real intellectual pushback because obviously in high school – there wasn't any no none of the teachers were really talking about philosophy um and all the pushback i got were from people my age who i felt like i had a pretty good handle on their questions you know and i was a relatively avid reader even later in high school so like i read up on theology books and stuff a little bit so like as far as people my age i was easy but that was the first time i think i ran into someone who was like far farther along in life and their education and who knew a lot more information than i did and knew how to debate and argue because they have a doctorate in it, basically. Mm. Um, I mean, if you get a philosophy major, you just learn how to argue. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> much the essentials of it. So that was my first exposure to, I think, intellectual engagement with that. And even though it caused me to question stuff, again, it wasn't like my freshman year, I was overly troubled. But at the end of my freshman year, leading into my sophomore year, over the summer, I had... Um, I was going through a lot of like stuff with my, I was dating at the time. Uh, and there was a lot of just questions in my mind about that because the relationship wasn't very healthy. wasn't really going where it should be going. Um, and you know, there's a lot of questions about that. Then there was like, I was at the time I was getting my first book published and heading to my sophomore year of college. It was just a lot of stuff going on at once. And I have, a, I had a tendency not to talk about, my problems. And I still sometimes wrestle with that, not talking about keeping stuff bottled up a little bit, but going into my sophomore year of college, like a month before it started, um, I had what they call, I guess you could say a panic attack. Mm. Um, if anyone knows that that is basically just felt like I was dying, um, and went to the hospital and they're basically like, there's nothing wrong with you. 
you're just overly anxious is essentially what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, and so following that moment in my life, I went on to have not only an intellectual battle, which I'll get into, I guess, a little bit later here, but like emotional battle as well. Um, because following that moment, I thought I was going to wake up the next morning. Like I was given a bunch of drugs, like to calm myself down. The doctors just basically gave me a bunch of drugs and I fell asleep then. And I thought I was gonna wake up the next morning feeling normal, but I didn't end up feeling normal. The next morning I felt really anxious. I felt awful. I felt like depressed, sick, all that stuff. Um, and that didn't really stop until about a year later, roughly. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not sure we can, we can dig into that a little bit more, but that's just kind of the, where yeah, kind would, of my struggle with my faith begins. Yeah. I would definitely like to, to dig into that more. So I, I've had, a you know, my whole entire life I've had depression, uh, anxiety, you know, I've used to have really bad anger problems. My emotions were a roller coaster my my <laughs> whole entire life. Um, it actually wasn't until I really became a believer in Christ and, and the Holy Spirit has really, really helped me with that stuff. But so I, I know the feeling of like just not getting better. You know, it's like yeah. no matter what you do, no matter what you try to think about, I, I used to I I used to do drugs. I used to um, drink and stuff like that to try to like mask it, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. cope with it. Or uh, I did I did music as well. That was one of my ways of coping with it and just like drowning my sorrows into my music. And then I created like super depressing music. And then I listen to my music. I get more <laughs> depressed. It was a vicious cycle. Yeah. So uh, let, let's talk about that a little bit, because I know there's people on here who um, who definitely struggle with these issues. So how did you. um like what was that season like for you? You know. Yeah. Um, is do you want me to go here now? Yeah, or yeah. Was there more that question? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that sophomore year of college, basically, that was the whole sophomore year of college was basically my struggle with depression, anxiety, and then obviously what comes along with emotional problems often is intellectual problems that you start having. Um, and so following like that, following that panic attack and what came to come. That season was, I would still describe as probably the hardest season of my life. Um, Because up until that point, uh, throughout high school, I was known to be like a kind of a jolly joker, like kind of um, really just laid back, didn't have a care in the world kind of guy. Um, And I honestly didn't have anything remotely close to what you would call anxiety up until that point. So like this was kind of like a whole new experience for me. I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I was the first couple months was just me literally learning how to cope with my problems um, because I never had it before. Um, so I, to give a people, some people who don't, don't know what anxiety is like to give sometimes like my, the physical ramifications of it. After the first month of my panic attack, I lost about, I think 20 pounds cause I wasn't eating. Um, and I also um, was like, wasn't cutting my hair because I just what well, didn't I just didn't want to like I don't know I didn't really care about how I looked and it was just a lot of physical things that were obviously if anyone knew me they could tell that something was not right um, so there was that kind of those physical signs of issues I was dealing with on the inside for people who may not always understand the mental side of things and sometimes that helps give them an idea of what I was what I was dealing with but um, that season then went on to last for a while. And the relationship, the relationship ended up breaking up. Um, so that ended up dissolving. 
my my book stuff um, i forget how i went the book came out in covid over covid and then it didn't really do that well because i you know i wasn't able to go out, out in person and do things mm-hmm. um and meet people and stuff like that and then also you had like there's just a couple other stressors that were going on at that time with my fan with like um some distant family members and different stuff were just i was dealing with um and nothing that i tried or did ever could make me seem like it seemed like it was never going to end like it just seemed like it was never going to end um and it just kept feeling like i was getting worse and worse and worse and worse as i went down this rabbit trail um and that's kind of what led me to start doubting my faith Mm. was the fact that so right after kind of like right after the panic attack the first instinct for me is to like i was like all right i need to something must be wrong with me spiritually was basically my first thought i'm like something's wrong with me i'm either making an idol out of something in my life there's something in my life that i'm not confessing there has to be something just spiritually wrong with me currently and so I was going through, like, I was really just trying to delve and process what might be wrong with me right now. I read a lot of scripture. I was praying a lot. I was doing all the good godly stuff, I guess you could say. Um, and everything I thought might be the problem, whenever I confessed or prayed or did something that I thought was going to solve it, it just didn't end up working. And by working, I mean, I didn't feel better. Um, and so that sort of that was really exhausting i'll just put it that way it was extremely extremely exhausting and depressing and so the longer i went through this process of like god where are you the more and more lonely i felt and i told my i remember telling my brother actually so um to kind of give an, an actual example of what happened i was at a my 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 um, direct family was at my parents house and i was there too and this was like not that long after the panic attack and we were just they, everyone was trying to like kind of like enjoying themselves outside but i literally felt like i was dying on the inside and like i felt like i was gonna have another panic attack everything um and they had a lot of good food there i wasn't able to eat any of it because i felt like i was going to gag or choke the whole time and so i ended up going inside the house and just sitting in my what was my room at that point um when i lived there and i just sat there in silence just basically staring at the ground feeling completely defeated and my brother walked in he's like he didn't say anything for a while, but you know, kind of asked me what, what's going on in my mind right now. And I basically told him, like, I feel this is the first time in my life I felt like God's not here at all. Mm. I told him, I've said, I, there's, I, you know, I had bad moments in my life. You know, you have sad moments in your life, but, and you feel kind of distant from God. But I was like, this is the first time I felt like he's not here at all. Like, I don't think he's here. Like, I don't even, I don't even think he hears me. I don't think he cares about me. I don't think any of, like, I know, and I told him, like, I know these are lies, but at the same time, this is what I'm experiencing. I, I'm experiencing what I would, I would consider absolute loneliness. Um, and so that was sort of where I was at. And then that led to me starting to uh, basically question like, well, is God even real? And that's when I started delving into apologetics. Mm. And I, I, I was kind of already interested in apologetics and theology. I was always kind of that weird philosophical kid growing up. My mom would always was always concerned about me because I would write poetry about death and stuff like that in like eighth grade. And she's like, what's wrong with my child? Um, but um, so I, I, I started getting deeper into apologetics. I mean, I don't know if you can see it behind me, but I have like all of C.S. Lewis's books yeah, behind yeah. me. I have the, the series, um, the C.S. Lewis series. It's like every book's a different color. 
Yep, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And then I have other books that weren't involved in that too and stuff. So like I read pretty much all of his books. Um, still one of my favorite authors to date. I think he's an incredible author. But read pretty much all of his books. I read Timothy Keller, some of Timothy Keller's books. I read, um, what else have I, did I read? I read some of Frank Church's books. Uh, Before the Scandal, uh, I read a lot of Ravi Zacharias's books. Yeah, me too. I read, I read tons of Christian apologists that were well-renowned for their argumentation. But at the same time, I started reading other philosophers as well. I started reading um, Frederick Nietzsche a little bit. Um, I read, who, what were some of the other big names that I read? I read um, Sam Harris at one point a little bit. Um, I read some, uh, some just different atheists. I listened to some debates and things like that, Richard Dawkins, things like that. Um, so I was starting to delve into sort of the apologetics world, the debate world, um, just, and I wasn't seeking to disprove God. I was more actually, I was actually seeking in my case, I think more to defend what I already believed, Mm. um, to be like, God, I want you to be real because at the end of the day, I couldn't get around the fact that if, if I, if I got to the point where I believe God wasn't real, I was going to kill myself. That's where I was at. Um, and so, cause there was a. After we, after I broke up with my girlfriend and stuff at that time, um, I became suicidal at that point. I was pretty much done with life. Um, and I didn't, I, I just felt hopeless. So I was at the point where I was like, I'm either, if I, if I would stop believing, I'm probably going to kill myself. That, that was kind of where I was at. And so like, for instance, my brother, there was one time at work, I pretty much broke down at work and I ran outside. My brother and I worked together. And so he came outside after me and I told him the two things, the two, he asked me why I um, I told him that I was dealing with struggling with suicidal thoughts that morning. And he asked me what's been keeping me from doing it and out of like, he was like, why haven't you? And I said, two reasons. One, I know it's selfish. Mm. And like, I know that's just because I want to escape and I'm hurting a lot of people by, well, I would hurt a lot of people by doing it. But two, I'm afraid of God. I said, I don't want I, I and, and here's the gospel. There's a lot of people when they talk about the gospel, you know, they talk about like, you know, it's the it's the mercy of God, obviously, and stuff, and that's that's amazing. Like I agree full heartedly with that. I'm not saying I don't agree with that, but the thing about me that I saw the most important about the gospel was Jesus's perseverance. At that point, mm. I, I I told I told my brother I was like, look, if I give up on my life now and I kill myself, and I'm gonna have to stand before God at some point, I'm gonna have to stand before God and tell him I gave up. Basically, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to admit to the fact that I gave up. When his son, Jesus Christ, went through Golgotha, went through all that suffering, went through the cross, went through God's wrath, went through all of it and didn't give up. And he, what he went through is a lot worse than what I went through and what I'm going through, at least at that time. And I said, like, what he went through is a lot worse than what I'm going through. And if I give up, like, he didn't give up on me. He didn't give up on his thing. And it was a lot worse. And through the spirit, we can come over, conquer all sin in our lives. We can, we can come over all evils and things that come in our way through the Holy Spirit that strengthens us. So I was like, if I give up, I'm giving up by my own volition. I I don't need to give up. And so it was that that was the the perseverance of Jesus is what really encouraged me to keep fighting, uh, because I knew there was still hope even though I felt hopeless. If that makes sense. That's incredible. Um, um, just to to pause right there real quick. Uh, that's one of the things that that I love about Christ as well. Uh, and when it comes to apologetics, there's there's many things that when I'm discussing this with atheists or, or people who, who don't believe, I actually I, I put this in my book that I that I just wrote. 
about, look, whether Jesus is the Son of God or not is irrelevant to, let's just say, the historical accounts of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus went through everything he went through. Whether you believe he's the Son of God or not, he went through everything he went through with us in mind, believing that what he was doing was going to reconcile us to the Lord, was going to save mm -hmm. our souls. And I, I always ask people to, to think about that. If, if you have a problem with God, you have a problem with Christianity, you have a problem with all of that, what's your problem with Jesus? Like this, this dude, even if you think he's just crazy, you know, C.S. Lewis says, uh, what is yeah. it? Lunatic, liar, liar lunatic, or Lord. Lord. Yeah. He went through all of that thinking about you. He's somebody that you should look into, regardless if you think he's the son of, son of God or not. And mm -hmm. I believe that the more people actually really look into him, the more they will realize that he is the son of God. And mm -hmm. so I think it's beautiful that you said that. And thank you so much for you know, being sharing so much and letting us into your life and, and the things that were going on in your head and in your heart at that time, because you know, you said at the beginning, hey, sometimes I have a difficult time saying how I feel. And then here you are telling us how you feel. So truly appreciate you you letting us into that side of your of your life. Um, I know there's people who need to to hear that they're not the only ones that go through this stuff. So take us from that point. And that, that's another beautiful thing, too. I'm sorry. I'm just replaying your story in my mind because um, <laughs> I've had suicidal thoughts, too. I actually wrote and recorded a song about killing myself. I'm so glad mm -hmm. I did not shoot the music video we were going to shoot. Um, and like, so I know what that feels like to, to, to do that, to be in the, in the place where you're like, oh man, I think I could do this. And I've been there a few times in my life. There was one time where I was staying with my brother and the only reason, reason I didn't do it is because I didn't want him to walk in on, and like my body be in his apartment, you know? Mm -hmm. So being that low, and, and when you're that low and then questioning your faith and then saying, you know what, I, I just, I'm, I'm not going to give up. Jesus didn't give up. How did you get from there to, you know, your, your, your renewal of faith, uh, I guess yeah. we could call it. Yeah. So I guess the interesting thing was like, even though I was questioning my faith, I never stopped believing, if that makes sense. So like I was, I was having my doubts. And, and that's the thing about like evil in general is that it, it causes you to start questioning things. Uh, I mean, you see it throughout the whole like scriptures throughout the Bible where it's like, you know, Abraham's kind of doubting God's promise. That's why he sleeps with um, Hagar and, you know, gives birth to Ishmael and all that. Um, or you see it in the case of like uh, the John the Baptist even where he's like, are you the Lord? Like, is or, or should we be waiting for someone else? Like mm -hmm. suffering and evil causes people to start questioning and doubting, even though they may not like cease believing altogether. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I was at. And there was a, it was a really slow process. And that's the thing about like depression, anxiety, or even suffering in general is that generally it goes a lot slower than we would like. Yeah. Um, and so, and so it was a slow process, but after I would say, so after my first semester of sophomore year, I was probably at my lowest that winter break, I was pretty low. Um, and I was dealing with a lot at that time, reading a lot of books, praying a lot. Uh, reading a lot of scripture, dude, I was reading, that's the, that was, here's the one thing, here's one thing that helped me go from, you know, really low to getting better, at least, or at the very least, carried me through that low time, was a lot of scripture reading, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I read tons of Psalms. Um, I think Psalm 69 was one of the big ones I read a lot of. Um, and there's also two Psalms that interestingly enough are the only two Psalms that don't end on some sort of note of praise or positivity. Uh, what are the two of them now? I, I, I had to memorize one during, when I was going through it, but there's two that don't end on a note of positivity. I think one is like in the eighties somewhere. And then I think another one might be in the thirties somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure which ones, which the one of those, but I would read a lot of those Psalms where it kind of ended like the one ends with my only friend is darkness is how one of the Psalms ends. And, and I remember, and I, 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 I would read that Psalm a lot because that's where I felt like I was at. I felt like I, the base of the Psalmist is just praying out to God, crying out to God, like, where are you? And he basically is like my only friend right now. He says, God, I think, I think it ends by saying, God, turn your face away. Oh no, that's the other one. So the one ends, God, turn your face away so I can have a little bit of smile or have a little bit of happiness or stuff before I die. And then the other one ends by saying, darkness is my only friend. Um, and I was, I would read those Psalms over and over again. Cause I was like, wow, this is in the Bible. Like I'm not the only one who feels like I'm ending on a low note. And, and the thing is like, I was listening to Timothy Keller kind of give a sermon on that. And he's like, why would, and he said, I wrestled with this passage because I was like, why would God let this in the Bible? And he says, at the end of the day, he's, he's one able to empathize with us, showing us that we are still human showing us that we still struggle um, with these things. Mm-hmm. But but also it's the other side of things that he's still talking to God. The psalmist is not talking to anyone. He's still talking to God. He's still saying, yeah, I am struggling, but I'm still talking to you because I know you're the only one who can help me. Mm. Um, and that's where I was at. I was like, yeah, I'm still struggling. I'm still doubting, but I'm only talking to you and coming to you because I know anything else is worthless to pursue. It's not going to help me. If there is no God, it means that my suffering is completely worthless and everything's absolutely in vain. Um, and so that's kind of what I, a lot of scripture reading was the first thing that really helped me get through these dark times, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, Psalms, um, a lot of, a lot of those, those are some of the big ones. I read Elijah's story where he goes to the mountaintop and he fasts for 40 days. And, uh, well, I mean, he, he asked God to kill him and then the angel feeds him and stuff. And he goes up in the mountains and it's a great story. Anyway, it's in, I think the, is it in the Kings? I think it's in Kings somewhere, but anyway, I, I read that story a lot. It's so, um, so, it's so amazing. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's just so amazing how people who don't read the Bible, period, they, they think it's like some, oh, yeah, fairy tales of like goody goody and, and this. Or then you got the atheist that like it's all evil, you know, but it's just there's so many stories about regular people that God uses. And these people are so messed up and they go through the same mental ups and downs that yeah. that we all go through. Yet God still they're in the Bible. God uses their stories their stories are like eternal now people will be telling Mm -hmm. them till the end of time and these are just people who who god loves they love god but that doesn't i used to believe that if i i used to believe like a lot of prosperity gospel stuff where oh if i just do good and i'm i'm uh, like seek ye first the kingdom and you know all that stuff and and all this will be granted you leave out the end his righteousness part but it, um, uh, you know, I was tricked into thinking that my life is going to be perfect and that I was always going to feel good and everything. So it's, it's just so good to, to be able to dig into the scriptures and see these people who God used in a, mm-hmm. in a light that's, that's so relatable to, to us. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's beautiful that especially the specific books that you chose to read, you know, those are the ones that you, you read and you're like, dang, this is like uh, the Matt Reeves Batman movie, like feeling to it, you know? And uh, yeah. 
and, and but that's the stuff that helps you get through it yeah and and interestingly enough you mentioned about like the whole prosperity gospel thing there because there was a period that i kind of went through where so i i i i, I, I want to be careful how i word this but like there are people sometimes within the charismatic community specifically who when they see someone struggling with depression stuff they say just just pray in faith you know yeah. and god will answer your prayers he'll help you get out of this blah blah and sometimes it and sometimes they do in a way that some depending on where they land in the charismatic circle yeah. sometimes it depends how they word it's a it spectrum but like some, sometimes it can come across like if you pray in faith god will answer it you'll be healed miraculously and you'll be out of it and so i was at i, I actually during that time went to some like charismatic services and stuff like that and i would pray with these people who were telling me that if i prayed in faith or whatever that would go away and it just never went away and it made me even more frustrated mm -hmm. than anything else um it didn't really bring me comfort it just made me angry yeah. um and but then when i read the scriptures where it talks about in the epistles where um it's talked about how you i mean first of all the gospel where jesus said you will suffer because of my namesake uh or in the epistles where it talks about like you know we go oh, how's how's that word we we're not crushed and talks about persecution essentially um it's not exactly correlated to depression but it's talked about persecution and suffering and how like the church will be is constantly under attack or constantly um, within spiritual warfare and persecution. But just because of that, but we're able to persevere through the spirit and persevere because of Christ, what he's done for us um, and these different things. And so as I read the scripture, I'm like, oh, like suffering is a part of the walk. Mm -hmm. Like it's based on how Jesus words his thing about you're going to like suffer for my name. And based on what I see in the epistles and then based on the stories you see in the old Testament where God withholds, like, so Abraham, for instance, like he lived what, like nine, nine years or something before his yeah. son was born, his first son. <laughs> Some ridiculous like, amount of time. <laughs> like God, if God, if, 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 if God was like, you know what, I don't want Abraham to go through all this trouble. He has a lot of faith in me. I mean, he's been proving his faith over and over again. I mean, I'm, he, I'll just give him a son at 30. Like, he, it, <laughs> it just, it didn't happen that way. And like, it, in David's case, David was praying, you know, to God, was like, was seen as like, you know, a man after God's own heart. And he didn't get the kingdom until after like 10 to 20 years of like basically civil war with Saul. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I, I couldn't see that lining up with scripture. I'm like, suffering is a part of the walk. Um, and so that scripture gave me context to my pain mm. and it helped me go th get through it. And then prayer was very, the second thing was that prayer, even though it didn't seem like it was, God was always answering, it allowed me to be able to express myself to God, knowing that, and by, and then reading the scripture, seeing that, you know, people were expressing their pain to God in prayer, um, Job, Lamentations, all that stuff. Being able to do that myself, knowing that God does hear me and, and knowing that God does value that because it's in his scriptures in the first place, I was able to, you know, share my pain with him and then going to the gospel and seeing that, you know, he has bore that for me. And it was just this whole process of it didn't happen overnight, but I had enough strength for the day every day because of what, I, what God has done for me and because of the scriptures. And then going to my second year, uh, my second semester of my sophomore year, I made some, I got involved with like a Bible study group on campus, mm. made some new friends who really were there for me um, on campus, were there for me to help me process some of my pain, some of my emotions, my thoughts. Uh, my thoughts can be all over the place. I mean, if you're a creative person, you generally 
uh, you can sometimes relate with that yeah, where your definitely. mind feels like it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I made some new good godly friends who were helping me kind of process and think and talk through my, some of my stuff. Um, and so it was just, that's the other thing, like making sure you're finding good friends and family, people who will listen. Being a good listener is like one of the best things you can do. If you know someone in your life that's dealing with like depression or something, nine, nine, nine times out of 10, they just want you to listen. And when they want you to actually give some sort of answer or help them understand something, they'll, they'll ask you to, or like, you know, give you the opportunity to speak into it. Um, but a lot of times the first thing you have to do is listen. I mean, the, as the proverb says, a man who answers before he hears the whole case is foolish. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what you, what's the best you can do is just listen. And I found a lot of good listeners as friends. So that helped me a lot. And so that process over the semester of talking to the right people, finding good godly mentors and sticking with what God has laid out in scripture and not giving up because it didn't happen within a few days. Like I hoped it would, um, really helped me get through that rough year or that anxiety and depression that I was dealing with over that course of that year. Um, it led me to find freedom through walking down that path and walking through that in a way that was biblical and I saw in the scriptures. Um, and so that was really like, honestly, thanks to God and good friends and family. That's, that's what helped me get through. And so the best encouragement I can say for anyone who's dealing with stuff like that right now is don't give up and trust the process, I guess it's like a sports term, <laughs> but that's kind of, that's kind of honestly what I saw in my life. God used to um, help me get through that. And also I'm not saying some of the books I read, like the C.S. Lewis books I read helped me give context to my questions. And I got enough good rational answers and logical answers to answer my questions um, to a way that was not beyond certainty, but at least beyond a shadow of doubt. So like that was one of my biggest issues. I mean, if you want to talk about what made me most anxious is the fact that I had to come to the terms of the fact that I can't know everything. Mm. Um, so that was people have asked me, like, what are you so what were you so anxious about? And I was like, there's a couple of different things. But the biggest thing boiled down to the fact that I told people, tell me for certain, tell give me certainty in anything you believe. Prove beyond any sort of sort of questioning or just give me 100 percent certainty on anything. And everything, anything you want to try to say you have 100 percent certainty on is pretty much guaranteed not to. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can really say is that I exist. Everything else could be, quote unquote, an illusion. If God was manipulative, he could create a whole false world for us that we think we're living in reality, but we're not. And that is plausible. God could be doing that. So there's nothing beyond 100% certainty. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes. I think that's I had to come to terms with that. I think that's an important distinction to make, too, um, because from many of the conversations I have, people want that certainty so bad. They're like, prove this, you know, prove this. It, they, they say uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And it's like, well, what, what evidence is extraordinary? You know, like, what does that yeah. even mean? Um, and I, I it, so in my mind, like trying to process that, I, I know what you're, uh, what you're talking about of like, is this really real? How do we know for 100% that this is true? And that was something that I struggled with, with uh, coming to Christ was, how do I know? I'm, I'm digging into history to, to learn about 
some guy who supposedly resurrected 2000 years ago. That's a crazy thing to believe if you think about it, yeah. you know, like yeah. if you just strictly strip away everything and just, just if, if I didn't know any of the, the history and, and all of it, like, Hey, you know that this guy rose from the dead 2000 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> and to get to a point where you got so much evidence that I'm like, yeah, I think this happened, you know, can I prove it beyond like, 100% no way but I, I think it's the most probable conclusion given the evidence yeah. and you mm -hmm. have to be satisfied with the most probable conclusion given the evidence if if you're you know if you think like you and it's apparent that you think like me of of how do we know things 100% so let's let's transfer into um it's it's interesting now we're talking about truth claims now you know how yep. how do you prove something one of the things that I like about your channel, and um, I forget who sent, I think it was Josh that sent me your channel, and he was like, he's like, hey, check this guy out. I, th I think he's got good content, and and I looked at it one video in, I was like, yes, you know, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, anybody who does this is is cool in my book. So, tell us about your experiences going to to different religions, church, quote unquote, church services and like what which ones have you been to and we can also save some of this like real detail for another podcast because <laughs> i want to like really dive into that stuff with you but yeah so tell us just about what made you want to do that what was the first place that you went and, and what did you learn from going there yeah so what people have asked me like what what got you into this and i was like look the way i see it is i'm a christian because i believe it's true i don't i'm not a christian because i think it's nice I'm not a Christian because I like its morality. Like I'm a Christian because I think it's true at the fundamental level. And if it's not true, I want to find out what is true. And so after, after my sophomore year of college, I was like, you know what? I looked a lot at atheism and I came to the conclusion that atheism one didn't really make sense and two offered nothing. So like, as, it, as, as my common, the common, the, the common thing for me with atheism was that one, if it is true, it was completely pointless and useless and could be thrown into trash anyway. Uh, but I don't think it is true because of the mostly because of the metaphysical factors, morality, um, the fact that, you know, you have so many counts of like miracles. I don't know if you know who Chris Keener is. Uh, I think that's the guy's name. Yeah. Keener's yeah. his last name, at least. Craig, Craig, Craig Keener, Craig yep. Keener. Um, he has this like anthology of just different miracle claims, modern day miracle claims and stuff. And just like out of body experiences, you know, um, the spiritual realm or. You would have to say all of these things are false, completely false, and they're all acts of illusions or mental games, um, and uh, it's all firing neurons and mm -hmm. everything is predetermined by nature. That takes a lot of faith. Like <laughs> that in of itself, to me, takes a lot of faith. To or predetermined wiring. It takes a lot of predetermined wiring. <laughs> yeah, and then like it's interesting because like I listen to Richard Dawkins and stuff debate with some of these people, and they basically come to the conclusion like, well, you know this consciousness that we have it's just neurons but then the question is well why isn't it energy or why isn't it physical matter it, it, it then there's no answer like they're like oh well, i guess yeah. science will have to figure that out i'm like well they i guess to, you have faith in science they try to avoid talking about consciousness because it's, it's either one of two things it's either a complete illusion and it is just neurons firing in, in our brains and if that's the case then we can't even trust our own brains to to make rational uh conclusions or or to make yeah. rational thoughts because they're not really thoughts it's just our neurons firing in our brain mm -hmm. 
And then if consciousness does exist, that that means you now have to dip into the immaterial world. You know, you yeah. have to you have to agree that that exists. I think that's why they're so determined to find a, a quantum field. Uh, yeah, that's the whole quantum thing. I mean, I looked into that a little bit. I don't find that very compelling either. But yeah. I've also I, I read um, actually the book over there, John um, 2084, John C. Lennox. He has a few books on that as well. I think he delves into that a bit. He's pretty he's very much in that sciencey realm, but sometimes he goes over my head. Yeah, I deal, I deal with that stuff when uh, when I'm touching on uh, new age spirituality because they appeal to quantum physics in order to to prove their worldview. But anyway, that's a topic for another time. Let's let's get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I dealt with atheism over that struggling with doubt thing, but then coming out of it, I was like, you know, I've come to the conclusion that God exists. I mean, I believe in the gospel. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Bible. That's where I find my hope. That's what really you know where I'm grounded. But I never really did take the time to look at other religions. Hmm. Um, I was always intrigued by them. I always kind of wanted to learn more. And so I was like, you know what? If I if what I believe is true, I shouldn't be afraid to start looking at other religions and just see what they believe, compare it, and see why they believe it, and start getting to these sort of things. So my first endeavor <laughs> into this realm was I read the Quran. Um, hmm. So, I mean, you know, what, what better place to start than basically the second largest religion in the world yeah go for it um and arguably probably the closest to besides judaism the closest to you know christianity and sense of yeah. some of its core morality principles and stuff so i was like all right i'm going to delve into it so I, I read the quran after reading the quran i was like i can see why people don't always find the most comfort in it yeah i didn't find it very comforting like there's like in the in the there's a lot of laws and there's a lot of like, um, it's constantly reminding you that, you know, God's weighing in the balances. Um, basically like, you know, I'm always, always watching you always weighing the balances. Um, and so like, I, I, I found it to be that way, but then I kind of delved also into the history of Muhammad. Um, I, I, I delved into a bit of that history and I didn't find it. The, my biggest problem with it was historical. Mostly I, I thought it was historically pretty unreliable. And it seemed like Muhammad was heavily influenced by Christians and Jews and kind of took the two um, perspectives and made his own and made it in a way that was gave him a reason to conquer the pagan tribes around him. Yeah. So it, it, it seemed to me one that one, it's just it, Muhammad himself claimed to have revelations from angels or, or from Gabriel, I think specifically yeah, Gabriel. by himself. Yeah. By himself. Which one is always suspect to me. That's always just kind of like <laughs> that, that in of itself is suspect. But then secondly, all all the stories he told um, about, for instance, so my, my favorite one um, was that, and this is the thing about studying religions. You started like really doing comparison and you're like, man, this is, it's just intriguing to me yeah. to see how someone perceives something I always believe, but has it, it's like 80% same and then 20% different. And 20% is like significant. Um, so like, for instance, the, one of my favorite ones is the story of Joseph in the Quran is different than the story of Joseph in the Bible. Um, so like Joseph is in like Egypt or whatever. And so when, um, when the lady, uh, what's her, I, I forget Potiphar's wife, I think it is, you know, tries to tempt Joseph. Um, uh, but in the, in the Quran, there's this pat, there's this point in the story where like Potiphar's wife basically invites joseph to basically serve a meal or something to a bunch of her and her lady friends and then 
when the ladies see Joseph, they all like cut their hands because they're like, "This is the most handsome man we have, man, most handsome man we ever saw." And they all like cut their hands. And I read that. I'm like, "What the world am I reading?" <laughs> I was like, I never, I was like, I never seen this in the Bible. I'm like, I don't, I've never read anything about this in the scriptures at all. Um, and it was just, and that was the, the one that stood up to me the most. There's other stories as well, where it's just like, I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing was the chronic dilemma stood out to me. Anyway, I could go down the whole reason why I'm not a Muslim, but yeah, you have, um, you have videos, uh, um, discussing that on your channel. Um, uh, yeah, I just so. I, my, so the one thing about my channel is that I do a lot I do a lot more comparison than I do apologetics. Even though I do get into apologetics occasionally, yeah, um, I do still do just a lot of comparison. And I kind of sh I just because my theory was always like I do think the more and more I delve into this, and and I try to invite on people who are smarter than me. So I try yeah, to invite yeah, yeah. on apologists. That's why I invited um, you on here. <laughs> so I, I try to tackle each of these topics, but I do do I do focus a lot on comparison because I do think the hope of the gospel in compared to other religions is actually very unique. Yes. Um, and so I still think by simply comparing the gospel to other religions, that will cause people to start being like, huh, there's something unique about this. But even beyond that, I have learned in my own personal life, like I went to Penn State for an internship and while I was there, I discovered that me reading, having read the Quran and being familiar with other religions actually gave me a way to connect with other people. Yes. Um, so like I ran to like Muslims and I was like, hey, yeah, I actually know about the Quran and stuff. And we had gotten to conversations about the Quran. Um, and I wasn't like trying to preach to him or anything or anything. We just started relating on religion um, because I was able to understand his language to a certain extent. Yeah. And so I found that if you're able to relate with people with what they personally believe, it's a good way to make friendships, a good way to make connections. And it doesn't need to be like hitting them over the head with why they're wrong, um, but more relating with them. And so that they respect the fact that you're willing to learn about them. They'll take the time to learn about you. Yes. And so that's kind of my, that's technically how I try to run my channel to a certain extent. Obviously there's some videos that are more apologetics or some videos are more comparison. It depends on my mood or what I'm going for. But yeah. so anyway, that's kind of how, why I got into religions because it's the truth and I shouldn't be afraid to, try to discover what's true and challenge what I believe. If I believe it is true, I think it'll stand up to the challenges. And so far it has. I think um, you, yeah. you, you made a really good point on that of being able to have the conversation with people. When I, um, when I was on my journey to figuring out what worldview I was gonna subscribe to, um, I, I dug a little bit into everything. Well, some of them I, I went down like real big rabbit holes on. But uh, you know, with, when it came to um, the Muslim religion, when it came to Islam, it, I didn't spend too much time on it because they denied, you know, Jesus's crucifixion. And to me, that was yeah. such a solid. That was uh, the, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Such a solid um, event in history that even the most secular of biblical scholars and atheist historians would say, yeah, like, like, I think his name's Gerd Luderman. He's big time atheist. He's like, uh, the the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is is one of the most well attested to events of our history. It happened, and yeah. to, to deny that to me, I was like, all right, I get it. But I, I've recently started um, digging more into their faith, so I can have the conversations with them as well, because it's so important. Like like you said, when you know something about somebody's faith, they'll listen to what you have to say more because you've done. The, 
you've done the time to learn about them. And it's like somebody knowing about Christianity, even if they're not a believer, but if, if they know some of the things that I believe, it, it leads me to, to think that they may understand why I act a certain way or why I do certain yeah. things that I do. And from a place of like not less judgment, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, th I think that it's great that you do that. So tell us about going to, to some of these services that you've been to. Yeah, yeah. So as far as, so once I started the channel, I didn't actually visit many other services until I started the channel. So I'll, I'll put okay. that out there. Um, but so when I started the channel, I, when I originally started, I was in college still, I was finishing a college, I was in my senior year. And I was like, all right, I can only post like, I don't know, one video a week or something. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't too dedicated to the cause at this point. I was just, you know, getting my feet wet. Yeah. But once I graduated from college, I was like, I need a new tactic. At that point, I was at like, I don't know, 30 subscribers. I was, I, it was really low. And Killing I was it. doing this for, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was really low. I was like, man, 30 subscribers. I've been doing this for what? I think it was like four or five months at that point. I was like, this sucks. I was like, this, <laughs> this, this, this is awful. I, I started, I started talking to my friends. I'm like, am I wasting my time making videos? And I was like, tell me the truth. Should I give up? Um, and so I was like, I need to change up my tactic a bit. And so when I graduated from college, I was like, all right, I'm going to delve more into comparative religion. At first, I started off really broad. I, I really had a really broad spectrum. When I started off, I was like, you know, politics and stuff like that. But I was like, I'm going to narrow in. And so I narrowed in on religion and I was like, all right, I want to be, I don't want to just be another talking head. Yeah. I want to actually do stuff. And so the first thing I did, the first place I visited. Uh... Mm -hmm. I think, uh, did we lose him or did? Hold on. All right, guys, technical difficulties, technical difficulties. I think we may have I think we may have lost him or I'm lost. No, I think we lost him. All right guys, just give it a sec. Uh I'm sure he will call back in. Dang, I was I was super into the story too. All right, here we here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, you are back. You are back in. Okay, did I accidentally like flee the scene or something? Yeah, yeah, you you it was like Batman throwing a smoke bomb. You were just gone. All right, where, where, did I, where was I? Where you was were about I? to tell us where the first place that you went, you left us on a cliffhanger, so. My word, my word. All right, so I had to change direction of my channel. <laughs> I, I headed, I, I was like, you know what people aren't doing is constantly visiting new places of religious, religious places. So the first place I went to, let's, let's get back on track. First place I went to, was a latter-day saints or mormon temple um so in washington dc they were opening up this whole new like temple facility now the mormons or latter-day saints whatever you want to call them they have temples and they have churches churches is open to anyone you can show up there whenever you want temples once they are like blessed or sanctified whatever the term they use is they are only for latter-day saint members you can only go there if you are a latter-day saint member and you get like a two-year pass and then every two years you have to renew it by talking to you like your church leader, your spiritual leader, who will say, yes, you are a verified Mormon. You are good following the book. I don't know exactly. It goes through that process. Yeah. So temples are very special. It's supposed to be where like God dwells almost. Um, it's supposed to be really holy. 
But before they sanctify the temple, they open them up to the public to look at them because they're very pretty. They're very nice to look at. A lot of money goes into them. So I went to the temple in D.C. I brought I, I, my brother went with me. People from work went with me because the one of my coworkers is a part of Latter Day Saints Church. So he gave us a little. We would walk around with him, and he kind of explained to us what certain things were, and he helped us understand the symbolism and stuff. It was really cool, actually. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But that was the first thing I did. I brought my phone. I brought my phone. I was like taking my video, doing my stuff. You weren't allowed to take a camera inside the temple. They said no cameras inside. Oh, man. Um, and so I, I, I respected their rules, but they had all the photos on um on their website so when i shot the video when i got back home and did my editing i did like the first part where i took some of my own video videos and at that time my camera and my phone was like really wacky so i ended up upgrading after after this video but that aside i took my footage that i had and then i went on their website and basically showed pictures of what i saw and explained kind of what my experience was and that video originally, when it first was released, it was my best video at the time. It got like a few hundred views. I was like, man, this is nice, you know? Yeah, got like yeah. a couple subscribers. Nice. I'm at like, I was at like 40 subs. I'm like, you know what? I'm really, I'm really turning myself around. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the thing that really changed um, the, the project, the direction of my channel and also just the success of my channel was the, when I visited Kingdom Hall. So that was the second place I visited. Me and my brother went to a kingdom hall near us, and we we sat through a two-hour sermon, basically. It was like a Thursday evening service, um, or was it Wednesday evening service, one of the two. We sat through like a two-hour service, and basically the whole service was pretty much teaching how to convert people to become Jehovah Witnesses. That was pretty much the whole service. That's good information. It was good information. And what was funny is that right after the, the sermon, basically the whole congregation surrounded me and my brother <laughs> and used all the tactics we just watched on us. It was the weirdest thing I ever experienced, I think, honestly. To date, to date, out of all the places I visited, I think that was the weirdest experience I ever had, where literally right afterwards we were just swarmed and all the things I just saw in that sermon were applied in that moment. It was so strange. So... That video blew up. Like at th at this point, it's like my best. It was my most viewed video, I think, to date. It's like wow. over thirty one thousand views or something yeah. like that. Um, and I got hundreds of subscribers from that video alone. And I was like, wow, like people enjoy, you know, some weird uh, Christian guy just going to other religions or <laughs> other denominations and visiting. Yeah, yeah. So, and then actually what was interesting is that after that video blew up, the Mormon temple video that I shot starts going up really fast. And right now it's almost at 10,000 views. Um, yeah, that's what happened. And so, yeah. And so I started realizing like, oh, people enjoy this comparative religion stuff, but not the academic side, not like, you know, you, there's a lot of channels that are academic. Like for instance, there's this one channel called Let's Talk Religion it has like 500K subs and it's purely like academic. Um, and I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be, I want to, I want people to know that I'm not an expert. Yeah. I'm just learning along with you and I'm just experiencing for myself what these other people believe. And so then I kind of, it went from there. Then I ended up then visiting, um, a Unitarian Universalist church. I ended up visiting a Quaker church. Um, I ended up visiting, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, I visited Kingdom Hall a second time. 
um, gave kind of my second thoughts on, I, I, I forget um, my thoughts exactly on that video. I, it was a little bit of a different take. Um, but so yeah, so I started just visiting different places. I have a few places in mind for next year, this coming year um, that I'm gonna be doing. Um, so, you know, anyone who might be interested in checking out my channel, I have, I have more to come. Um, but yeah. And then in between those videos, I started coming up with new ideas of what to do. Yeah. Um, I found out live streaming was really, was doing really well, mm. um, for me. And then also there were some other interesting videos that I do where, um, for instance, the one was like, I spent 24 hours praying like a Muslim what? <laughs> where I, I like, where, where so I took, yeah. yeah, the five times a day. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I, where I was, I was like a Muslim basically. Every five times, like the five times that they pray, I took time to pray uh, in my day. Now, I, I, I said right off the bat in the beginning of the video, I'm like, I'm not praying anything from the Quran. I'm not yeah, doing yeah. it. I'm not praying anything. I'm not comfortable praying. Not praying to Allah. Yeah, but yeah. I am only praying what I feel comfortable praying in like terms of the Bible and stuff like that. But I, I was taking the allotted time to yeah. do it. Um, and that video got like over a thousand views and stuff. So like I, I started discovering like this sort of just interaction with other religions was fun. People enjoyed it and yeah. I enjoyed it. So it, that, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, it's, it's good when you uh, when you find something that you enjoy that other people enjoy as well, because then it, it's enjoyable to create the content, you know? Yeah, um, I just I, we've been on here for an hour, but I need to know about how the Quaker experience went that one i don't know it just stood out to me i've went to um i've went to the uh the kingdom hall um i forget what they call it but uh on good friday they don't call it good okay. friday i have i have a, a few uh a few jehovah's witness friends i've had the conversation with them um but you know they've invited me and so i went and the one thing that i thought was really interesting is they don't take communion uh they just pass nope. it around you know, mm -hmm. they don't, yep. um, you're not allowed to drink from the, uh, from the cup, you know, it, it was pretty bugged out. It took everything in my power when that wine passed me to not drink it, it took everything in my power, but <laughs> I, I have too much respect for my friends, uh, to, to embarrass them like that. But anyway, yeah. Tell us about the, the Quaker experience. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the Quaker experience was <laughs> I, me and my brother showed up, um, and we, we went there and it was, so I, I discovered after, after the service, I can talk, I'll talk about the service then, but after the service, I found out there's like different types of Quakers. Mm -hmm. We ended up going to like a very liberal left leaning uh. Quaker facility. Uh, but there happens to be more conservative um, you know, as the guy who told us, he said, you know, we kind of, they respect all religions type mentality. Yeah. Like um, universal, wow. universal. Yeah. Quakerism. Kind of like universalism. Yeah. yeah. And, but they said there are other Quaker denominations that are more Christian oriented. Um, and so we happen to go to a more liberal left-leaning Unitarian Universalist style Quaker gotcha. service. But that aside, when we went inside, it was like, it was first interesting that how they were set up. Like I, so growing up Mennonite, some of my grandparents, my relatives, I was, I, they're very plain Mennonite. And if you know anything about very plain Mennonites or Amish or anything like that, very like their church buildings are very, um, 
modest. But yeah, so I, I was I, I went to a lot of plain Mennonite churches, so I was familiar with sort of the modest church building style. And having then gone to the Quaker place, I'm like, oh, this is looks just almost like a plain Mennonite kind of mm. church building, um, except for the Sunday schools and stuff were a lot different, but like the actual sanctuary. And so like all the benches were facing each other. So like you were, it was always kind of awkward. You're always like kind of sitting facing these people in silence. And so the service started and the moment the service started, we sat there for an hour in basically absolute silence. Um, <laughs> there was no preacher. There was no leader. Um, the guy told us afterwards, like, you know, the thing that makes Quakers unique is that we don't have a leadership team really. Like what? everyone has a voice. What? Um, yeah. So it's like, there's no church, really church structure. And so like we sat there for an hour in silence and then at the like like five minutes before the closing of the service or whatever you want to call it, this guy stood up and he shared this little story about his grand grandma or mother's funeral and how all the sons put a nail into the coffin. I, it was supposed to have some sort of significance. It went over my head what it was supposed to be significant about. Uh, I just was like this was a nice little quaint story, I suppose, about death. Um, and then the service closed out. It was like the guy who was designated to close out the Quaker service stood up and said, all right, you know, he said a little thing. And then he was like, we're done. And I was like, <laughs> and then afterwards talking to that, talking to one of the guys, they're like, yeah. So like sometimes we have popcorn services where, you know, people feel led by the spirit mm. to stand up and speak. And then it goes kind of goes back and forth. But other times, like what you experience today is what we call like a quiet service or something like that, where like, you know, the spirit is just leading us to silence and reflection. Oh no, they don't call it spirit. They call it, they called it. Um, I think either was it light or was Source it or something? They have a name. They don't call it spirit. They call it something else. I forget what they called it though. This um, is so interesting to me. Like r- ridiculously interesting. I, <laughs> I could not like if I went to to a church, right? Because my only two experiences in churches is. Um, super fancy Catholic churches where it's like, you know, all the art, all, all everything. Right. Yeah. And then like Hillsong NYC and then, you know, regular um, Protestant churches. Yeah. For me to like, if I was to walk into a like empty thing with wooden seats and then nobody says anything for an hour, I don't know what I would like. I would lose my mind. How did you guys sit there in silence for the whole I, entire time? I, so, I mean, I will, I will admit the first like 10 minutes of the service, I felt kind of awkward because I just had my phone out and I was like recording the room. I pulled my phone out and I was just like, yep, yep, don't mind me. No one said a thing, you know, no one said a thing. So I, it must have been okay. Um, and I was like, all right, after that, I'm like, I got my, sh- I got my shots. I mean, there's not, there's only so much silence you can record. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll pray. And so I spent like the next, I don't know, 20 minutes or so just kind of praying. And it was actually kind of nice because like there was this, um, like where, it, where the church was positioned, there was like trees around it. Mm-hmm. It was like nice and cool and the birds were chirping outside. So it was like very calming and soothing yeah yeah um and so there was an aspect to it where i'm like oh by the end i felt really calm i was like wow you know i feel at rest and at peace and stuff like that and i could i i definitely did feel the meditative spirit if you will (laughs) um but that being aside i spent most of the time either praying 
or if I wasn't praying or reflecting on like scripture or something, mm. I was just mostly like, all right, now let's think about YouTube. And I was just, <laughs> I was, I was just thinking about, you know, YouTube or what, what, what future videos, how am I going to edit this video? How am I going to edit all this silence, you know? <laughs> pretty much. So it was, it was long. I mean, it was long, but uh, I will say the first half an hour wasn't bad. It was the last half hour. I was like, all right, yeah, this is getting a little bit long. When yeah. the dude started speaking, were you like, yes. Did you like rush for your phone? Like, oh, it's I go time. I, I think I recorded maybe a little bit, but at the same time, I forget exactly what I did. I just remember, I just remember him speaking. I'm like, oh, a man talks. And I, I literally <laughs> thought it was the end of the service because the guy told us when we walked into the sanctuary, he's like, you know, there's going to be a guy who closes out or whatever. And he's like, that's when you know it ends. And I thought this was the guy, but he wasn't the guy. Like a few minutes later was the guy. Mm. Um, so I was like, wow, this man just shared with us a weird story about his grand, his mom's funeral. Um, I still have no idea what I was supposed to do with that information. Like he just stood up and shared. <laughs> he had to um, get it off his chest or something like that. It's so, you know, as I'm sitting here like laughing and, and, and thinking about it. So it is funny. It's 100% super funny. And I'm the type of person I, I will laugh at a funeral. Like I'm really bad with laughing yeah. at inappropriate times. Um, but there's also like a sadness I would imagine because you know these people are lost, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. You, you know that they're. Uh, I mean, if it's a left-leaning, um, universal, you know, even when they say Christian, you know, it's not. You know, mm -hmm. so it it kind of comes with this like yeah, it's super interesting. You could find funny aspects of. It. I mean, we you know, you're in our Telegram group. We laugh at a. Uh, <laughs> at each other's denominations all day in the in yeah. there. Hold on, I gotta. And I, I do want to make it clear, like when I sometimes like, sometimes when I like uh, like during live stream and stuff, I'll kind of like laugh or whatever. Like it's because like to me, it's just I don't understand it. It's kind of strange, and sometimes people interpret that to be like complete utter mockery or like insulting, which I normally it's not the case that I'm yeah. going for. I'm like I'm just. I'm just uh, like confused. Like it's just baffling to me. That's what it is. It's not always. It's not necessarily mockery because I don't try to make people be degraded. Yeah, I don't. If I, I don't, if I'm, I don't if get I'm that when I when I watch your videos, it's it's 100 yeah. does not. You know, if anybody's listening or or watching this, you're not going to see any mockery or or anything like that on LT's channel. It's very like he just has the experience and then tells you what he experienced. So yeah, the, that's. That's what I go for. And like, yeah. I, like some, like when I laugh and stuff, it's normally like bafflement. I'm like, I just, I, I was confused. I had no idea what was going on. It was just kind of like funny for me. Uh, but to, back to your point, there is also this side of it that I'm like, there is a sadness to it. And there is like this idea of like, wow, these people actually believe this. Um, and then that's kind of when I go down that rabbit trail of like, you know, like I, that's why I also invite on people who are like Christian apologists and stuff on my channel to speak. Cause I'm like, I want people who I want people to come to my channel knowing that they can learn about different religions and have a safe place to do that on, mm. but also encounter reasonable arguments for um, why like Christianity is true and stuff as well, and like be able to see people who are more intelligent than me talk about these topics um, in defense of the faith and not just simply observation. Yeah. Um, so there is that mixture of it. Yeah. Well. We've been here. I, I could continue talking about this probably for the, the next like two hours, uh, just asking you about each experience. But that is why, 
you're definitely going to have to come back on here. So just so you guys know, uh, we're only two episodes into the Why Jesus podcast, but LT is a part of the Why Jesus network and you're going to meet a whole, so you're going to see some more stuff popping up on the Why Jesus network channel that he's going to be exclusively doing for the Why Jesus network. And you're, you're going to be able to, to, you know, hear about some of these experiences and stuff like that. And so you'll be seeing him a lot more over here. But if you want to specifically hear just from him and his channel and everything that he's doing, definitely go find him on YouTube, on Instagram, and you can follow him on Twitter, but he's not going to say anything. So <laughs> uh, with that being said, man, you know, let's close this thing out. Is there any last words that you want to say to, to anybody listening? Any, anything you want, to, you want to get off your chest, you know, standing up at the end of the, the service and, and just say something? <laughs> uh, I guess the one thing I would say is don't be afraid to present yourself, present yourself with challenges to what you believe. Um, I think that's something that a lot of times people are afraid that they'll deconvert. Uh, in my experience, honestly, I, I feel like I'm being strengthened in what I believe. Uh, as I see kind of the hope in what I have and as I wrestle with the best arguments from other faiths and you realize you actually have good answers to those arguments, you start strengthening your faith. Um, so I say, I would just say, don't be, don't be afraid to challenge what you believe and don't be afraid to listen to other people and what they believe and trying to honestly understand what they think. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in LT. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, you know, if you're listening to us on on stream, make sure that you share this with your friends. If you're watching us on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, all of that good YouTube stuff. And when you're done liking, sharing, subscribing over here, make sure you go to LT's channel and like, share, and subscribe over there and run through his playlists and go go check him out, checking other places out. All right, guys, God bless. We will see you on the next episode. Yes, sir.